Hey guys, welcome back to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, of course, a man on a mission here to transform men into modern day warriors to be the best version of themselves. Today, live in our studio, we have David Salamanca for Salamanca Watches. Now listen, bottom line, if you want to watch, go grab it from this dude. This guy is the king Founder of watches. CEO of Man of War, Rafa Conde. David Salamanca, man. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, brother. It's an honor to have you on. Thank you, Rafa. Awesome. So the delivery of this watch, this Coke Rolex that I've been <laughs> wanting so badly, the fact that you went out there, man, and you found a unicorn with papers, holy shit, I'm so happy, man. So thank you for getting that for me. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. So today's conversation, I'm bringing you in here because I want to talk watches, but I also want to talk a little bit about your experience in the Crucible and, of course, um, the experience in the Man of War Society, and more importantly, how men in our world right now are really, you know, they're missing key elements that the old school brought at one time. And now we, we don't have that anymore, right? The men are just, in my opinion, disorganized, sloppy dresses. They don't value things such as watches. They don't value such as having decent shoes. They don't just their, their wardrobe and the way they carry themselves, the way that they walk around in life is is almost to the point where it's, it's kind of gross. And I told a little bit of a story earlier um, in one of my podcasts earlier regarding a situation that I had with a man that was he, he not only looked the part, but he also played the part. And it was just, it brought me back home. I'm like, holy man, we need stronger warrior-minded men. So I'm going to have you introduce yourself a little bit, your your background and then what you're about. And I'm hoping that the our audience here really gets to know you and maybe we can fine tune and bring the, you know, kind of put them on a path here that's going to be more... Um, warriors for you know war warrior for them more about manhood more about really building uh, a sense of strategy of battle but it all starts from the bottom line so go ahead uh, introduce yourself thank you very much rafa my name is david salamanca i am a father to two beautiful children my oldest is five years old his name is paul leon salamanca uh, my other son is Leonardo Alexander Salamanca, and he's two years old. And um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Lauren Salamanca, and uh, we are going on eight and a half years now. And the um, best thing that ever happened to me was to settle down with a woman like her. Um, my children are my number one motivation in life. Um, they keep me going. They keep me grounded. And it's ultimately what I do everything for, for the other generation, rather than just thinking about me. I'm originally from Colombia. I um, immigrated to this country in 2000. My father came here in 98, my mother in 99, and myself in 2000. We first landed in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, again, we are in the Man of War Society, and I think... It, it couldn't have been any better. I'm, I'm the perfect fit for the society. Since I came to this country, I had to learn how to fight for everything that I ever wanted. Um, so just a quick upbringing of myself. I started, we all lived in a, in a basement in Philadelphia full of cockroaches. My father was doing construction. My mother was cleaning houses for $25, 
a house, $50 a house, and they were giving me everything they possibly could so I can go to school. I went to Catholic school in Philadelphia, and one of my first taste of adversity in this country was learning how to speak the language and how to write the language. And so um, I was so upset that um, I, I couldn't speak and I couldn't communicate, which is what I love to do now and what my business is centralized around now, that I learned English, how to read and write in six months. And um, ever since then, I'm, you know, I took off. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Like coming from another country and then immediately starting to, um, you know, just learn the language that becomes, you know, it's a challenge. That's a challenge. How did you do it? I mean, was it just in school or you actually took classes or? Well, it, 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 it was more of, um, I was bullied a lot for, it was an all white school. Um, so it was nobody like me. I was short. I was stubby. I was fat. I was, my skin color was different. It was all American, Philadelphia. Um, and it was more of like, you know, they would make fun of me because I would raise my hand and I didn't know how to tell the teacher I needed to go to the bathroom. And I remember to this day, I would mm -hmm. literally would have to walk around and do the pee pee dance so they would get to the point. And so it was really more of a determination with my mother, uh, in that basement, learning how to write, uh, learning the multiplication tables for, for a quick understanding of math. Um, and just really focusing on learning the language at school. We couldn't afford any individual classes. So it was more of like a quick determination on my part. And my mother had a lot to play in it as well. All right. So here you are now. When did you start your watch company? I mean, this is uh, obviously you've been here how long now? Uh, so since 2000. So t almost 24 years now. Wow. All right. So at what point in your life did you pivot and then start building this company? So uh, we are now in business for seven years. And, um, you know, prior to owning my own business, I've, I've done it all. Again, I've worked for McDonald's was, was my first job. And uh, I was so early on to, to not even understanding how to open up my, mm. my paycheck at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it, I went through the transition where I've worked at McDonald's. I've worked on boats. I've, I've worked in gyms. I've worked in anything that you can think of to finally getting my chance to work for a multi-million dollar company before I opened mine. And the way that happened was I was frustrated at a gym. I was working uh, um, a day shift at a, at a restaurant, an afternoon shift at the gym, closing the gym at 11, and then I was doing an overnight job at a, a, a drug and alcohol treatment facility. At the same time, I was going to college and doing my homework overnight. And mm -hmm. that's what I was doing, living in inefficiency. I left my house at 15 years old because I wanted to be a man, right? I want nobody, right, I was right. the guy that nobody could right. tell me anything. And so transition to um, meeting the individual that uh, knew the president of this company. And I said, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Uh, I need to, you know, further my career. That individual said to me, well, my friend is the president for this company, but you don't really have the ability to fail. And so, uh, you know, I walk in and uh, I, you know, with the money that I had saved up, I, I bought myself a nice pair of slacks, mm -hmm. some shoes, 
uh, a long sleeve shirt because I've always had tattoos. And uh, and I walked in, and uh, this Jew, uh, the company was actually owned by Jewish people, and so it, it it was it's always a barrier that I had to overcome with my tattoos, my ethnicity, my language barrier. I still walked in super confident, and I said, you know, I would like a seat at the table, basically. Uh, they gave me an opportunity for the first 60 days mm. to do hot transfers. So basically what it was is um, these guys that are veterans there now, uh-huh. right, they're doing the business, and I would just sit on the other phone calling these old leads, old clients, and just basically as soon the, the game was if you get somebody that's ready to buy and sell, switch it over to the guy that has experience. Right, right. And I did that for 30 to 60 days and then um, very successful Damn. doing that. After the 30 to 60 days, I said, you know, these guys are making a lot of money off me. I said, I walked up to the president and I said, I would like to be in the sales seat. She's like, well, listen, I would love for you to be in the sales seat, but I don't think you're ready. And I said, I think I am. She's like, all right, well, if I put you there, just know that if you don't produce in 30 days, I have to let you go. I said, well, let's do it. And uh, ever since then, I was one of the top producers in that company. There you go. Made millions for them. Uh, fast forward to when they were bought out by a larger company, went through the transition of that, and um, that company ended up moving to Philadelphia. So when we moved to Philadelphia, my son was born that first that first year. And so at the time, I came home one day and I said to my wife, baby, uh, not my wife at the time yet, I said, she was just my girlfriend, and I said, you know what? My company's being bought out. I'm one of the few that they want us to move to Philadelphia. We're moving. I didn't care about anything else but just moving there and just just making a lot of money, traveling. That was our goal. She came with me. We we completely left our lease. Mm-hmm. We got into a U-Haul. We drove up to Pennsylvania. We said, we're going to travel. We're going to make a lot of money. A month in... I think a little bit over a month, and we find out she's pregnant with with our first son. Wow! So I came to uh, I came to the boss, and I said, you know, listen, my wife is pregnant. She has a huge Italian family back home. She has siblings. She has sisters. We need all the help that we can get here in Pennsylvania. Childcare was twenty seven hundred dollars a month. I can't afford that yet. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just getting into it here. Yeah. They said, you know, unfortunately, you know, we would love for you to stay, but we can't let you go. Like, oh. we, we can't let you work remotely is really sure, what sure. trying to do. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so I said, well, okay. And I make another stellar decision to choose my family over, I think I was clearing about $450,000 a year at that job. And I said to myself, I looked at my wife and she said, well, this is what I want to do. And I chose family over money. And so at the end of that year, in 2017, going into 2018, my son was six weeks old. um, And we packed up all our stuff in a U-Haul. My wife was in the other car with my six-week-old and her sister. And we drove back down here to Florida. And I had a non-compete for two years. And, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, if it's another state, you don't really have to go with that non-compete. So I played the game the right way. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to burn any bridges. So I did. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go into real estate. I went into real estate for the first two years. And I realized that my first two years, I sold $2.5 million worth of real estate. 
doing the, doing the real estate agent way. And so I said, okay, well, now I know real estate. I love watches, so I'm going to go build my own watch company. And uh, here we are. So what was it that you loved about watches? So it was really more about the relationship making for me was number one, and then watches was number two. The fact that I'm able to get on the phone, a guy like me, with no major college education or anything like me, and have relationships with Fortune 500 CEOs, that's what made me tick. And then the ability to have such a small little instrument on the wrist that could be worth anywhere between five to $150,000 or more, that just made it, that just took it to another level for me. And uh, I saw it as the way of being free for from, you know, the captivity that I've, my family's been held to forever, having to work, a dead-end job. And, uh, and I was just lucky to put myself with a lot of work. I put myself in a position to create these relationships and also love the watches as well. So you're, you're seven years into this, into this company, and how did you build your relationships? I mean, the hardest thing to do initially when you start a company, of course, is you know, starting to build relationships. There is no way in hell that uh, without relationships, without networking, really any company can grow. So, I mean, how did you start it? I mean, it, it, did you start from the ground up or you had contacts in, in the uh, industry? Well, so the first thing that I did is that I always um, remained true to the fundamentals when I started in the other company. So I built these relationships long for them to last long, mm -hmm. okay? So um, even though we didn't do any business for the first two years, they were able to remember my name my last name, my first name, that interaction, that watch that I sold them, that watch that I've bought from them. And so I pick, I quickly gathered those pieces. I would say anywhere between five to 25 solid clients that I had from back then. And I was able to just build that. That was my foundation. Okay. And then the, 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 the second foundation to that was, I, I didn't know much about business. Okay. All I knew is I had to go and build an LLC and, and start from there. I didn't have an investor. I didn't have any money. The only money that I had was the money that I made at the other watch company, the little bit of money that I made with real estate. But, you know, when I came down here from Flor to Florida after I left the other company, I was down to like, I don't know, maybe fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 in my bank account. A newborn baby in an apartment in Coconut Creek with my wife and talk about pressure. And so I, it, it, was, it, it just brings it all back to I had to burn all the ships. There was no option B. This is it. This is what I had to do. And those 25 clients was the foundation to, to, to buy a watch, sell a watch, buy a watch, sell a watch, to eventually I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, now I can buy 15, 20, 25, 30 watches. Now I can start building a name with a reputation, with a Google, with, with, uh, with Google testimonials, building a website. You know, every year was a learning phase for me. So I see a lot of these watch guys that have either just stepped into the business or they started to go on social media, you know, guys that are on TikTok and on Instagram and doing these live negotiations. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty popular um, thing nowadays. You know, the question is, 
Do you think that the watch market, uh, because of the social media, has become a stronger market? Or you think that maybe it's taken away from the luxury and kind of like that uh, privacy that it used to have? And back, you know, 20 years ago, when I was on Wall Street, dealing with guys that, you know, guys that would bring you Rolexes and very different than now. Um, and it was almost like a very private VIP experience. Uh, it seems now in some ways that they have um, uh, diluted that down to a little bit more, um, eh, you know, I'll just go to the, the counter and buy a watch where um, it seems to me like you're driving much more towards that old school VIP feeling, taking care of your customer, delivering the watch, et cetera. I mean, what are your thoughts on how social media has affected the watch industry? Amazing question. Thank you. Um, I, I personally think, and you used the perfect word, it's diluted now. So everybody wants to be a watch dealer. Everybody thinks yeah. that they have a little bit of money. They can go and they have academies now where you can learn how to be this and learn how to be that. But, um, you know, it's okay. I, 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 I actually embrace it because it separates the, you know, the who's who and the what's what. I've been doing this f for a very long time now, back when, you know, anybody that's watching this, Rolex Mariners were $5,000. <laughs> that price you will never be able to find again. And back then, everybody knew that if you're buying a watch for retail, no matter what, you're going to lose money. And so I, I, come from, I come from that era. And so to see what's happening today, there's always going to be a market for the guy that goes on Instagram and goes on TikTok. I've, I've sold plenty of watches that way as well. But it's not, the, it's not the foundation to what I do. I like to stay in my own lane. And just like you said, I like to so, sort of cultivate the guys. You know, I have so many guys that they don't, privacy is key. They don't want to call a major watch company that has all their information that can be hacked, that anybody can know who they are. Privacy and anonymity an, an, an an, an is key. Yeah, and yeah. so when they call me and they say, David, I'm looking for this watch at this price, complete with box and papers. Can you do it for me? Can you deliver? You know, that white glove service is what I like to do. So when it comes to the social media, you know, the minute the Internet came out and everybody had access to Google and searching the availability of this price and that price, watches started becoming more um, more popular at that point. Uh, and again, it, it's, it's its own asset class now, to say the least. But, uh, you know, I embrace it because... It, the, We'll see who's around five, ten years from now. It's, it's, I play the longevity game. What I see a lot um, <clears throat> is so many of these, especially the, the younger guys that want to get into that, you know, uh, market, that watch market. What I see is their knowledge base is very, very low. They just want to trade watches and they're out there hunting and trying to get the best deal on watches, which, which is fine. But it seems like they'd had no mentorship, no guidance, uh, really no structure or organized fashion to learn their craft, right? They didn't mentor under anyone. Like you just mentioned a little bit ago, you know, maybe a course that they took online and saying, hey, you know, you need to go into these telegram groups or whatever, and then try to find the best deals there. And then they'll start giving you some dibs as you put in your time and effort. 
Now, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I get a drift that in reality, um, there's a different, it's like divided into two areas, right? You have the, the white glove approach, you know, which is what you, you seem to, to want to be, you know, the very personal type of approach. And then there's the other side of the house where it's just like, it's a free for all. And I'll try to save $100, $200, try to get the cheapest watch without really even papers or they don't, and everything's about money, money, money versus quality. Um, especially in a market like this, where it's, especially now, collector collector market you know rolex has enough age on it now where they've produced you know whatever and, and companies like patek you know patek philippe and a cartier and, and and so on um they have enough heritage and tradition now uh, that maybe they didn't have 30 years ago or 40 years ago and now it's a true collector's market because there's some real vintage pieces um, I think now more than ever, we need to be very careful when you are going into this watch market and trying to buy a good piece. What are your thoughts? 100%. Um, again, I I was just having the same conversation with my mentor, per se. I guess you could say um, I was taught the game properly. I, I, I know how to do this business from A to Z the right way. When you focus only on price or, or, you know, the same thing, even when you go to sell, these watches are going to sell themselves. They have enough heritage where everybody knows the Rolex. Everybody knows the brand itself. And so what's going to separate the experience is the individual. And so with that said, uh, I always said, especially with our interaction with this watch, I said to you, I, I like to sell with boxes. I like to sell with papers. Uh, but you'll have another guy that is, is all about giving you that, that, that cheap deal. And, you know, when something goes wrong with that watch, you're going to get the same experience. So I try to tell all of my clients not to necessarily go focus on the price because that's not where you're going to find the best value. Where do you see the watch market trending over the next couple of years? Only getting stronger. Uh, I think uh, it it's it's now an avenue for collectors to buy the right pieces. It's its own asset class now. Again, I think the Rolex Daytona has outperformed the S and P five hundred over the last ten years. So that's huge, right? So to be able to buy that type of value um, in such a small little piece that you can put on your wrist you can enjoy sure it's it's you, you can't do that with a car you can't do that with real estate you can't do that with stocks nothing so as a collector you get the instant gratification of putting this watch on your wrist it gives you status it makes you feel good just like the shoes you wear the shirt you wear everything everything adds up to the individuality of the man so i don't think it's going to go any anywhere i think the the you know the guys that came up on some money and, and have some investors that are now coming up and willing and dealing on the TikToks and Instagrams, they will eventually fade away. We've seen it now with the COVID shock. COVID completely had the prices skyrocket. Mm -hmm. And now when everything's stabilized, I know guys that have lost 500 to a million dollars on an individual watch. So wow. a lot of them are gone. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. And so that's what happens when you have a crypto boom with guys that have made a lot of money. That's right. They, That's right. They're like, okay, we see it. Well, we can do the same thing. We can build the best brick and mortar. We can do this. And they go in 
and they get completely shocked and yeah. washed. And so, um, you know, uh, it, those guys will eventually fade away. And the guys that are true to this, the guys that know how to do the game properly, know how to build the relationships and not focus on the product itself, um, it's only going to go make the watch business even greater than what yeah. it is now. Yeah. Tell me something. You mentioned status. You mentioned, um, you know, being a good investment. And I think we're missing that in our society now. I think many men out there uh, walk around this world with really without guidance on, on where they want to put their money in, uh, where, where they want to put their money into, or for that matter, a lot of men walk around really with no sense of value for anything. Um, you know, they just want a shortcut. They want a hack um, and they want the cheapest possible. doesn't matter if it falls apart tomorrow. And I mean, you, you deal with clients all day long, but my question is men who come to you for watches, um, their mindset, the way that they think about life, do you, uh, I know that there's some men out there, of course, that are just going to buy watches for status, but there's, I would say most of your clientele are guys that either are going to invest in a good timepiece, um, rather than just you know, be buy it because of the you know cheap version. I, th I think what I'm getting to is a lot of men value. They don't really get what value is, and the men that I have, you know, connected with, and I've said this many times over and over again. And when I was a Wall Street broker and had my own firm and my own branch, and the first thing that I would look at in a man is shoes. Uh, how he tied the knot tie and the watch on his wrist. And I was pretty much 99% of the time I could tell who's who and what's what. The men that come to you that want to purchase these watches, do you consider them at a different tier or a different way, that, in a different type of mentality than the average dude out there? 100%. It's, it's light years. These guys have... Um, key things all in common their mentality is completely different they're driven they're based on discipline not motivation they most of them are entrepreneurs they own businesses they have completely free range of their time um, they dress well they smell well i would say about 95 percent of them are married to a good woman have families and so, one hundred percent. When you know, when you when you go and and you deal with the normal individual, and you run into him at, at a Starbucks or whatever it is, you see who's who and what's what. And the watch says a lot about a man as well. You say the shoes. I look at the shoes. I look at the watch, and I look at the car that they drive. And all those three things will immediately sort of give me a picture of the man that it, that he could be. And then, obviously, the, the fourth would be the conversation. How intellectual is the man? What is he talking about? What does he focus on? Sure, how, how he can back up all those things that he has, all those material things. Now, many people will, will listen to this, and they'll say, well, <clears throat> hey, man, look, you know, these are all material things. That doesn't make a man. 
Well, yes, I agree with that. It doesn't make a man. Material things do not make a man. We rent these things. These watches and these cars are here for rent until we die, right? None of that's going on into the grave with us. However, with that said, there are certain, and this goes through history. I mean, you go back to any warrior culture and you look at their their battle dawn, uh, you know, the kings, their crowns, uh, the samurai, their you know, their entire kimono, how it was, right? Uh, their swords. I mean, these were... Same thing. I go back and I look at watches and I say, well, this is a sword. You know, I, I go back to the samurai swordsmith, right? And the way that certain watches are made, uh, the way that certain cars are made, um, you know, I'm a big Porsche fan because of the brand and the and the way that it's made and their heritage and the tradition. Um, and the same thing goes with a Rolex. Same thing, heritage, tradition, brand. So... Each man is, you know, has a unique way of thinking of, of you know, branding, and he compares himself, I guess, um, not himself really, but he compares brands, and he says, hey, I align more with this one. Cool. But in the end, when people say it's all about material, you know, it's a little bit deeper than that. It's about, tra- you're buying tradition, you're buying heritage. It's not, unless you're one of these show-offs that just is buying this shit to show off on Instagram, that's not the kind of guy that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a guy that... You know, it's enjoying the finer things in life that is successful, that why not, you know? And so many people will say, that's just material things. Yes, they are just material things and you're only renting them. But my question is, why not enjoy them? Right. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, again, it, I'm all about enjoying them, you know? And again, the, the the and you are right. A lot of people do, for example, I wear rose gold, yellow gold, uh, white gold, titanium, wh- whatever it is. And again, loving these things goes back to the, the Egyptian kings. Even they love their gold and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is deeper because for me, the hard work that it took to get there, Okay, the time spent for a collector to go and look and do his research and find that individual piece with box and papers, that's the fun. You know, it's, you know, aligning yourself with a brand that's like, okay, well, I I can relate to Rolex or I can relate to, for example, I love uh, eyewear. So a lot of guys now on Instagram and and TikTok, they're doing Cartier glasses. So I said, you know what, let me branch out and look at other glasses. So these are actually made by Maybach. I didn't know Maybach had Mm. Maybach eyewear. And so it's those things that I can align myself to be different um, and that's the key. Uh, find in, just the search and, and the time that it takes to find the individual pieces, whether you're looking at shoes or watches, whatever it is that you love, that's where the love comes in. Without a doubt. And I think that every man out there um, should, you know, do something that they love, you know, whether they collect cars, they collect watches, guns, whatever it is. I think that that's kind of important. I think most of the men that I have met that don't have a collection in some way, shape, or form, and, you know, it's almost like the conversation with them is a little bit shallow. It's dull. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, because I know from at least my inner circle, I would say 99% of men either collect watches, cars, 
um, you know, even some that I know collect, uh, um, um, what do you call it, the comics, like antique comics yep. and things like that. You know, they love that. I mean, I just think that every man has to have something fun, you know, in his life, not just be so, you know, working every single day without anything that they can look forward to. It just seems a little bit, um, you know, off kilter for me. So let's talk, <clears throat> I want to take this down a road where, you know, your experience, you came through the Man of War Crucible, okay? When you came through this Crucible, I mean, when you entered this, um, you know, what were you, you know, how, number one, how was your experience overall, just right off the bat? Right off the bat. Um, so, whew, that was my experience. Uh, why? Because I, I did something that 99% of men wouldn't do. You know, I, I, I became uncomfortable. I, I, I didn't know what I was going into. And so uh, my experience from, from day one, it, it was just amazing. It's hard for me to even put into words because the, the, the first day, I think I had tears coming out of my eyes uh, from, you know, the, the, the separate activities that we do. And um, it was sort of like unleashing. It was freedom for me. Uh, I, I almost felt sad when it was over because it was the, the, the brotherhood. The, the, the same guys are going through the same thing there with me. And, you know, day to day on, on, on everyday life, you, you can't find that, that, that connection with people. And so that connection, that pain, that, that, that being uncomfortable, we went in November when it was really cold. And so I think it got down to like 29 degrees. Oh, yeah. That was cold. It was very cold. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I know just people that are, they can't even take a cold shower, <laughs> let alone go. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> let alone go to 29 degrees. So it, yeah. it, it was just, it was liberating. It was, I loved it. Awesome. And, you know, for sure, I mean, what group were you in? G15. G15. So, I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, putting the crucible together is exactly, I mean, it's, it's difficult. You're going to get your ass kicked. You can't get ready for it, but there is a sense of freedom, you know, that for sure there's a sense of freedom. And, um, many men have said that they felt sad when they were leaving because you really bond with your brothers so tight. And it's just like, wow, you know, these men are walking this path with me. But, um, when you break free from that. The question is, and I asked this, I asked this question um, to a lot of men, when you walked in through that doorway into your house, you know, how did, how did you feel coming out of this from, you know, five, six days away from the house and just like you've been through hell and high water, you know, but what were your feelings like? So I, I, I bring it back to the, the introduction, which said pack light. So I packed really light. So I walked in the door with two Two garbage bags. <laughs> Two yeah. garbage bags because I was told pack light and I really packed light. So I walked in with two garbage bags. Uh, my body was destroyed. My face was <laughs> swollen uh, from all the cold. I was hurt. I was beaten. My wife, uh, she was there to greet me. She actually bathed me that night. That's how bad it was. And um, it was just... Um, man, it's, you know what I felt, uh, the only thing I could relate it to, it's like, like when, um, 
going to war like the movie 300 something like that when you, and you you're greeted by your wife and yeah that's what it felt like a, a becoming a man of war mm. um and um you know i i would chase that experience over and over and over and over because it just being able to say you know because when you're leaving you're leaving with your suit so it's like you it you know my i said to my wife this is the only option Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I'm going into, but I'm coming back with this suit on and, and you mm-hmm. know, my certificate, my ring, everything. Right, right. And uh, just just uh, the it, it takes a couple of days to sort of reel it all in and, and process it all. But, man, I felt like a champion. How did uh, I mean, looking at it from a from a perspective where, you know, I the man crosses the doorway and it's just, a, you know, he has to. I tell every every single man that you're going to need 24 hours, okay, before you can decompress. Like you you got to give it 24 hours. But with that said, what was, you know, what was your wife thinking? You know, I wonder what crossed through her head. Was she thinking, man, this is crazy you did this or what? Well, she I she's just extremely proud to have a man like me by her side, you know, because it it just goes back to and I get you know, really passionate and almost chills about this because, you know, uh, she's on the same page with me where half of this generation is going to shit. (laughs) And so she was just so happy to have a man like me by her side with small children that's ready to do whatever it takes to bring it home. And I brought it home. And she, you know, she did what a, a beautiful mother is supposed to do is care for you, nurture you, bring you food, you know, uh, heal you mentally, spiritually, physically, and um, and she just couldn't be any more proud. All right, so let's talk a little bit about that. Women in this day and age, you know, what you just said right now, your woman taking care of you, that may be frowned upon nowadays. You know, that may be, oh, man, no, 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 you know, no. You know, you went in, you put yourself through this program, you know, fuck it. You know, you come home, you unpack your own shit. You know, I'm still like, still love you, honey, but I'm not doing any of that. One of the things for me, I think that, that, um, really that I connect with, uh, that is very important for me is the way that a woman, um, can, really bring a man down to a peace, right? To that level of tranquility um, that can, um, not just by her words, but by her actions, you know, such as giving you a bath, you know, bringing you food, taking care of you when you're down like that, um, and sticking there really by your side. A lot of men will say, no, I, I want a woman that and that does her own shit, doesn't really worry about me. She's kind of like out of my hair, in and out. Whenever I want to have sex with her, she's there. That's that. But, I mean, just that connection of her taking care of her man, like you said, the Spartans of old, right? I mean, the woman was, hey, either come back on your shield or with it. That's it. You're either dead or you, you come back winning the war, right? Yep. That strength of a woman is not a very common thing nowadays. So... You know, and and it's frowned upon a lot of many uh, many places where, you know, woman can't be so gentle. She can't be so submissive. You know, what are your thoughts on that? 
It's definitely missing. Uh, I get goosebumps talking about this subject because I also agree. I agree 100%. I, I think it is frowned upon uh, in, in uh, mostly in the new generation to, to do that, right? So I was blessed to find a woman that comes from traditional values, that her mother did the same thing. And, uh, you know, love for the man, care for the man. Um, because ultimately, I think it also helps the individual like me where, you know, baby, I, I, I got this. Let, let me go. Let me go hunt. Let me go do what I got to do. And she has the hardest job that I could never do. And it's to completely take care of these two little individuals and nurture them and love them. And her words are gentle. It's firm, but kind. Because she can completely channel both of those. I couldn't have it any other way. And and it is, I, I'm flabbergasted by the fact that women nowadays or, or some individuals nowadays think that, you know, with the, with the woman being more independent and her bringing the money to the table is what's really more important. You don't have a true connection that way. I, and, and I know some people that way that, you know, one woman has her career, the man has his career, and they both do their own thing, separate bank accounts, separate this, separate that. And I asked myself, what are you, so what are you guys here for? Yeah. It, it's, it, and, and what's even more, uh, you know, crazy to me is when, um, you know, not wanting to build a family. I think the most important thing for a woman to do is to build a family, mm -hmm. is to procreate. Without a doubt. Is to bring, it, it's to elevate your last name and, and bring on that next generation. I think if you're in this world and not doing that, unless yeah. you have any anything that's, you know, medically stops you from doing that, you're, you're sort of wasting yeah. life away. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, I, I do believe 100% that Men don't really give a shit about how successful a woman is in business. I mean, I'll be completely transparent. I don't give a shit. If my wife right now was a multi, ran a multi-million dollar company of whatever, whatever, like that's not turning me on. What's turning me on is how she takes care of me, my kids, how she is as a mother, as a wife, um, you know, and how she treats people. And, and that turns me on. That keeps that fire burning inside. And most of most of the men really that I've spoken with are, um, well, let's just say they would agree with me I mean, 100%. You know, they're just not into that. Um, and I think a woman has her place in this world. She is the strength of a man. There's no doubt about it, uh, but she has to do it in a different way. It's not... Uh, um, you know, I see so many women, the, the, the boss, you know, the boss lady and the shit and the, that, that's just, man, I'm sorry, but I think women are doing themselves a big disservice. And again, if you want to build, if, if, if it all depends on what you want to build. So if you're talking to men like us, I want to build a dynasty. I want to build, a, I want to build a compound. I want to build and build and build. And so when you go back to history, you see men that are successful with beautiful wives behind them. You're only as strong as the woman behind you. You're never going to really see, you know, two separate, you know, individuals here just doing their own thing because it becomes an ego game. It becomes a pride game. And then it, uh, there's no, there's no connection. Um, it's, it, it, it's, 
the way to do it if you want to properly build a strong foundation for your family. And I'm talking from experience, for my family, for my businesses, for anything that I want to do in life. I wouldn't be able to do this if I also had to support another woman in her career. 100%. It's about building an empire together. It's about having the king and the queen, and they all know exactly where they belong in the relationship and how they uh, have that synergy between one another, 100%. Yeah. All right, man, let me ask you, where can people reach you specifically? Uh, do you have a website? Do you have social media, something like that, that yes, they can follow you? of course. So they can go, so company name is Salamanca Watches. They can go to salamancawatches.com. They can reach me at uh, my cell. I'm going to be the guy that's going to be picking up the call. So 954 Two five four one zero one seven, or if you want to email me, it's David at SalamancasWatches.com. And again, one of the things that I focus on is I have a plethora of connections, whether they are within the U.S., Hong Kong, Dubai. Unless you have a watch request that is extremely difficult for me to to you know to to complete, I can pretty much find you anything. Uh, at the proper price, complete with box and papers, with the one-year warranty from my company as well. So um, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Now, before we go, anything that you want to leave out there that you want to put out to the world, to our listeners, um, someone may want to start, you know, from scratch, um, starting a business or even getting into the watch industry. How would you get them started? Just with a couple of tips right off the bat. A couple of tips. You have to look at yourself in the mirror first. Okay. You feel good. You smell good. You look good. It starts within. That's number one. Number two, you have to figure out what is your niche? What are you good at? What, what is it that you want to do if you're good in, if you're in sales and you can build relationships and building relationships is your thing and watches are your other thing, then I would say building the relationships with collectors would be number one. Then number two, if you don't have any money, then it's it's very difficult to start this business. So we're talking about somebody that has, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in their bank account and, and, and is thinking of doing things like this and you don't know where to go. Well, you know where you want to go is you would buy your first watch, buy it for yourself. Go online, buy your watch, enjoy it and say to yourself, okay, now I want to sell it. Then from there, you learn how to properly buy and sell your own watches. But again, um, if you, it, ultimately, if you want to become an entrepreneur, it starts with looking at yourself within fitness, mental health, getting the proper clothes to sit and sit at a table with somebody that's successful and a CEO that's actually going to take you serious. Without a doubt. And um, number four, just figure out how to get some cash. Don't over leverage your company. Don't don't get investors. If you have to do it the slow way, the slow way is the best way. Because once you get there, nobody has sort of a, a, a leverage over what you can or you can't do. Amen to that. All right, guys, I hope that you uh, really took some great um, takeaways from this podcast. I think uh, we talked about a couple of things specifically, but this is was this was a unique sit down here. Um, if you want to reach uh, Salamanca Watches, now we're going to put everything on the show notes here. 
um, and also a, a website link and a direct cell number that you could reach him. Uh, all we ask you to do is if you do reach him, that you uh, let him know that uh, you, you um, saw it on the podcast here, the Man of War podcast. All right, brother. Great to have you on, man. Love you. Thank you so much. Love Take you too, Take care, Robert. man. Appreciate it.